Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Tonight what I want to do is I want to talk to you because we're going to be spending the night worshiping the Lord and sometimes people have the idea that that the songs are just like the preliminary to the real thing when that's not it at all. The praise is incredibly powerful when it comes to the release of God's work in our life and the circumstances of our life. And especially praise when it's coupled with fasting. First of all, let me just say this. Praise is not a replacement for prayer, but praise is the start of prayer. I mean, in Psalm 100, we read this, verse 4, enter his gates. How do you enter God's gates? How do you come before him? What is it that you do? How should you start your prayer time? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. As we said a few weeks ago, thanksgiving and praise are not the same. Thanksgiving is where we acknowledge what God has done in our life. God, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We come before him acknowledging all the incredible things he's done in our life. But then praise is where we consider who he is. You're a God of incredible love. You're a God whose loving kindness, you love us beyond what we can imagine. You love us so much that, that you think about us. Your thoughts for us cannot even be numbered. It's good for us to think about what the scripture tells us about God, who he is, what he's like, and we come into his courts thinking about it. You're our father. Jesus said when you pray, say our father. So we come into his presence and we think about, listen, I'm coming not to a distant deity, I'm coming to a God who's up close and personal, who, who is a father, who's holy, who's in heaven. We start thinking of who he is, we start celebrating that, we start considering that, it becomes real to us. We, we, we sense his presence as we do that. You think about God, what he's done, and who he is, and you'll feel him begin to come close to you. And we're going to see why in just a moment. Praise brings us into the presence of God. It's how you and I enter. It shifts our focus from the realities of earth to the heavenly reality. We're literally catapulted into the heavenlies. It causes us to do the one thing that's, I believe, most significant in receiving an answer to prayer, and that is removing our focus from our problem and placing it on God. Honestly, what happens to a lot of people is, and it can happen to any one of us, we can spend our time so much on the problem, in prayer, thinking about the problem, rehearsing the problem, what he said, what she said, well, how this will work, and planning out and conniving and all of this in prayer. And if we're not careful, we're doing exactly what Louis talked about a few weeks ago. We're giving the enemy a seat at our table. When he's prepared, God has prepared a, a banquet table for us, and we're rehearsing things with the enemy. Rather than enjoying the Lord, celebrating the Lord, 
We're making the problem the focus of our prayer time rather than his presence and his person. Praise is, is important because it gets our eyes off of the problem, gets our eyes on God, on who he is, thanksgiving on what he's done. Just quickly, let me give you three things, and then we're going to praise the Lord. Three things about praise. First of all, praise is a command. 34 times in the Psalms it says, praise the Lord. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Praise him. It, it, the idea is that praise the Lord. Hallel. It's the idea to get so excited about God. It's like the wide receiver in the end zone who does the touchdown dance. I mean, that's the idea. It's to be beyond excitement. It's to be exuberant in celebration. That's what praise is. That's the heart of it. That's the spirit of it. Another 16 times in the psalm, it says, bless the Lord. What are we talking about there? Bless, Barak, uh, its root has to do with kneeling. So you can praise the Lord by kneeling, and, and, and that's a part of blessing the Lord. Also, we know in Psalm 134, it says, um, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. How do we bless him? It says we're lifting our hands to him but it's a command we're commanded to praise him you say well that's the Old Testament and the New Testament look at this Hebrews chapter 13 through Jesus therefore because of what he's done because he died for us because he made us right with God because we no longer are under the old covenant we're under a new covenant with angels rejoicing we're not coming to Sinai and the law we're coming to Mount Zion with myriads of angels rejoicing when you and I are praising the Lord the angels of God fill this place or the place where you're at because he's being celebrated through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, how often? Continually, constantly offer to God a sacrifice of praise. If your praise is confined to your prayer time or your praise is confined to church, then you're missing most of when God wants you to praise him. He wants us to constantly be offering the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that confess his name. There's a sacrifice that comes as we bless the Lord. We lift our hands, we clap our hands, we, we sing to the Lord, we shout to the Lord, all those things expressions of praise well some people will say this and you know and I, I mentioned this because I realize that James River we've got people from a variety of backgrounds and that is that is absolutely wonderful but I fear sometimes people come into this church and they think, well, that's what this style of church does or this denomination of church does. And so that's why they do it and they don't understand. It has nothing to do with a style. It has nothing to do with a denomination. It has to do with the Bible. We do what God asks us to do in the Bible. So what happens is people come in and they're not used to it. And I get it because I, I came from a mainline background. I understand what that feels like. I can remember the first time I was in a, a spirit-filled service. I know how I felt. I know what I thought. 
What happens, though, is people will say, well, I, I, I just don't raise my hands. That's just not who I am. Or I don't sing, like, because I can't sing well, I'm not going to sing at all. Or I'm not the kind of person who shouts. I, I just don't, I don't think in church you should shout. It's not just who I am. What I would say to that is the Bible commands all of those responses repeatedly. You find it all over scripture. We've talked about that before. It's not optional. It's essential. It's not a suggestion. If you feel like doing it, then do it. It is a command repeatedly in the scripture. And let me just say this, when somebody says, that's not who I am, and that's not the kind of person I am, here's my response to that. God would not command us to do something that he hadn't put in our nature. You say, what do you mean? When you got saved, you got a new nature. You got a redeemed nature. So if you won't praise or worship the Lord, then either A, you didn't understand what scripture says, B, you didn't understand that it's already in you, or C, maybe you're not saved. I hate to be that blunt with, but sometimes, and I'm not, I'm not angry at anybody, I'm just saying, let's, let's cut it straight, let's say it like it is, let's deal with reality, not fiction. If God has saved you, he's put in your nature the ability to worship. It's in you. So it's not a matter of how you were raised. That doesn't matter. You're saved. You're redeemed. You're a child of the king. And that is in you, and it's incumbent upon you because it's a command in scripture to begin to do not what you're comfortable doing, but what God has commanded us to do. And when you do that, it's a part of that sacrifice. It's a part of that costliness. When we talk about a sacrifice of praise, it costs. It costs us moving out of our comfort zone. It costs us taking that step. It costs us doing what we've not done before. Not because we suddenly feel like it, but because we say, you know what? If that's what God asks, I love him so much. He saved me. I'm going to do exactly what the word says, because I know when I do that, I'm going to be blessed by him. We can't dissect the Christian life or behaviors in the Christian life and, and view it as a menu from which we choose. We do what he commands us to do. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Praise is a command and you can't come before God without it, which means this. You don't, we don't just do it when we feel like it. In fact, can I just say this? It's in the times that you and I least feel like praising God that we most need to praise him. It's in that time when you come into church or you come into your prayer time or you're going through your day and you least feel like praising him that you most need to praise him and that you will most benefit from praising him. When I obey the command to praise, what happens is I'm lining up my physical body and soul with what the Bible says. And when I line up my body and my mind or my soul with what the Word of God says, I'm on my way to experiencing a spiritual breakthrough.
Physical obedience brings spiritual breakthrough. This is why a night of praise is so important. Because as we are physically blessing the Lord, as we are physically praising the Lord with our mouth, with our voice, with our hands, with, with all that's within us, we're doing that. What happens is it brings about a breakthrough of his presence. I know there are some, and, and, and they'll say this, well, you know, I think it's hypocritical to do something you don't feel like doing. And let me say along the way, when the worship team, as they come up here, let me just encourage you, tonight I think it will be easy to do. I'm thinking about three weeks from now, four weeks from now. When they say, let's lift our hands, when they say, let's, let's really worship the Lord or let's shout to the Lord, we need to understand that God has anointed them to lead us into the presence of the Lord. And God is guiding them, and as we follow their lead, they're going to lead us into his presence. But what happens is sometimes people will say this. They'll say, well, just because he says to raise my hand, I'm not going to do it. I only do it if I feel like doing it. That's, that is not only stubborn, there's a bit of rebellion and pride in that statement. We're submitting to their leadership because God has set his hand on them to lead us into the presence of the Lord. And I would sure, I would sure not to want to miss in my own life what God will do and wants to do in my life because I wasn't gonna let somebody else tell me how to worship the Lord when God has anointed them to lead me into his presence. That's why we follow those who are on the platform as they lead us into the presence of the Lord. So we might receive from God that he might do what only he can do. And some people will say this, they'll say, well, I think it's hypocritical to do something you don't feel like doing. I couldn't disagree more. It's hypocritical for a believer to only do what they feel like doing. That's hypocritical. When a believer says, I'm only gonna do what I feel like doing. Listen, we know this, as believers, we're walking by faith, not by sight. We're, we're, we're living our life according to the commands and the convictions of scripture and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, not according to what we feel in any given moment because feelings come and go. And if you base your life on feelings, you'll find yourself coming up short every single time. So praise is a command. Second, praise is a sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. What do we know about a sacrifice? It costs you something. In the Old Testament, it would cost you a ram or a goat or a lamb or a bull. It could cost you your crops. It would cost you something to sacrifice to him. The sacrifice of praise is costly. What does it cost us? It costs us time, it costs us energy, it costs us stepping out of our comfort zone. It costs us saying, I may not feel like it right now, but I'm going to do it because I know that it's the right thing to do. And if I do what's right, if I do physically what I should do, I'm on my way to a spiritual breakthrough. When I offer praise and I don't feel like it, either because I'm tired or I've, I'm going through a tough season or I've experienced loss, 
When, when I offer praise in those moments, do you realize that in that moment, we have the opportunity to do something here on earth we'll never have the chance to do in heaven? And that is to praise him when we don't feel like it. In heaven, you will always feel like it. In heaven, you will always want to. In heaven, you will always be motivated to. The sacrifice in the midst of a trial, the sacrifice of praise, is something we'll only get the opportunity to do here on earth. It doesn't mean it's easy. Sometimes it's really hard. But the Lord knows that, and he understands that. But the, the offering is sweet to him when we don't feel like it, and we do it anyway. Another part of the sacrifices of praise is it requires faith. And that is especially true when you don't feel like praising God or when your circumstances, it doesn't seem to make sense in the midst of your circumstances. Second Chronicles, and we won't read the whole chapter. I'll set the stage for you. The nation of Judah, Jehoshaphat is the king. He's a righteous king, a godly king, and they're invaded by this huge army. Jehoshaphat is scared out of his mind along with the leaders of the nation. They know there's no way they can on their own defeat this, this invading uh, alliance of armies that has come against them. So here's what Jehoshaphat does in verse three. Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So they're fasting, they're praying, they're calling on God. As they're doing that, look what happens in verse 20. Early in the morning, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. Believe what he, is, what he is saying to you through the prophetic word and believe that God cares about you and is going to help you. And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. So here's how he decides to fight the battle. He decides the best way to fight the battle is praise. Have they been fasting? Yes, but he's gonna fight it with praise. Have, is there an army coming against them? Yes, but he's going to fight it with praise. And he sends them out. And as they're going into battle, singing songs of praise, it requires faith. But watch what happens. This is the third thing. The sacrifice of praise brings a divine encounter. You can have the musicians come. When you and I are praising God, we're going we're gonna to bring his presence into our situation in a big way, especially when we're fasting. They're fasting. They're calling on God. Now God is speaking to them. God is directing them. And now they're going out facing this army and they're singing songs of praise. Listen, in the next few moments, we're going to be singing songs of praise. And I don't know what kind of enemies, what kind of battles, what kind of circumstances you're watching online. You're out at Joplin, you're at the North Campus, you're at the South Campus, you're at the West Campus. I don't know what battle you've got. I just know that you're in a, you're in a very powerful moment as the church is fasting. Hopefully you're fasting. But if you aren't and you're, gonna, you're starting right now, you're not eating right now, so let's, let's get on it. We're fasting, right? 
you're praising the Lord, powerful things are going to happen. While we're singing, powerful things are going to happen. You say, how does that work? Well, Psalm 22 and verse 3, but you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Or another says, on, enthroned on the praises of your people. The idea is that when you and I begin to praise God, it's like, it's like there is his throne. He, he sits among his people in kingdom power, in kingdom dominion, right there among his people. The, the kingdom power of God invades this place as you and I are praising him. Isn't that powerful? The, the King James says, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praise of Israel. He inhabits the praise of his people. He comes down, he, he's in among his people. As we're praising God, he comes in this place. He's here. He's here right now. And as we're worshiping him, whatever it is that you need, I mean, he can meet you right there. What you're, you can be singing here and he's fighting the battle for you wherever it is that that battle needs to be fought. I love this passage in Isaiah 42. I've been thinking about it all week because I just think it's so cool. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing his praises from the ends of the earth. Sing all you who sail the seas, all you who live in distant coastlands. Let the whole world glorify the Lord. Let it sing his praise. Watch what happens. The Lord will march forth like a mighty hero. He will come out like a warrior full of fury. He will shout his battle cry and crush his enemies. Do you know what that saying is so cool? While you and I are singing, God takes it upon himself to go out and fight our battle. That's what that is saying. While you're praising God, he's bringing victory in your marriage. He's bringing victory in your job. He's bringing victory in your relationship. He's bringing victory in that problem that you're facing that is unsolvable. While you're praising God, he says, guess what? They're worshiping me. I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna fight their battle. That's the power of a night like tonight. One more scripture in 2 Chronicles. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing, when you start singing, God starts working. When you start praising, God starts fighting. When you, when you start worshiping the Lord, God goes to work. The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. When did it happen? As they began to sing. When did God start fighting? When they began to praise. That's the power of praise and that's the power of praise as we're fasting.